I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Jennifer Nelson, author of Teaching with Heart, Lessons Learned in a Classroom. We hear so much about teacher shortages, burnout, and the messy transition from pandemic pandemic Zoom learning back to the classroom. Jennifer Nelson brings perspective to the classroom as someone who lived in Morocco, where she learned French as a child, and the subject she now teaches. She's served in the Peace Corps in Nigeria, and as the daughter of an international diplomat, uh, she's experienced more than American schools. Her tenure as a teacher encompasses private, parochial, and public schools, where she brings a broader-than-usual view of what works and what doesn't work in the classroom. She's a personal historian who holds degrees from Columbia University, UC Berkeley, and Vermont College of Fine Arts. She runs Your Stories, Memories into Memoirs, a writing services company helping others to record their stories before it's too late and their memories are forgotten forever. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Jennifer. Well, thank you for having me. Well, teaching, okay. I I guess teachers are at a critical moment in time right now. Maybe they always have been, but it, it is critical now. We have a lot of issues. Hiring teachers, retain re- Retaining teachers, uh, keeping them in the job, keeping them in the profession, hiring good people in the profession. Uh, it is a real problem now, and you address those problems and those issues in the book. So what are the issues? What are their problems? Why are teachers struggling in, the, in this culture right now, in this context? Well, there are various reasons why they're struggling, but I do think that they're getting stressed out about all the demands that the teaching profession can impose on one. I've gotten used to the um, requirements of professional development and managing a classroom of, of kids who sometimes are great but sometimes can be challenging, and I have developed a, a, a very supportive network of colleagues. So I feel very comfortable in the classroom now. I have had challenging years, particularly in the beginning, uh, but now I understand how the system works. Uh, but for a new person or who is just entering the profession, it can be a bit overwhelming. Um, sometimes curriculum changes, and you have to adapt. Uh, pandemic learning was different, and you had to learn uh, software programs that before we weren't using as much uh, particularly in 2019 when I, when I started to think about what technology should be in the classroom. Um, I in terms of technology, Jennifer, in terms of technology, um, I'm thinking about this. What about, uh, you say teachers had to adapt, they had to learn technology, they had to learn new kinds of technology. How does this fare with older teachers who might be really good teachers, but not necessarily adept at the technology, but they've had a lot of experience and different than, say, younger teachers who are, have just come into the profession? Um, because it seems to me there would be a, a, a real difference in, in terms of, of, you know, their ability to adjust or to adapt to the new curriculums or the new techniques? Yes, definitely. That was a huge concern with my school. Um, We did get some assistance in how to run certain programs. We were told that these were the the, the best programs for world language. Um, We were 
uh, instructed to uh, reach out to either administrators or a colleague to try to uh, learn the new technology. Um, I had used some in the classroom already, so I was somewhat familiar with some of them. Uh, but I did master one uh, that I hadn't quite gotten all the kinks, kinks out. Um, and I was fortunate that that year in the pandemic, my son, who's a computer scientist, uh, helped me when I did not know which button to push or See, that's not, that's not fair. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Well, yeah. Know, so you lucky. had your tech person. <laughs> yeah. But not everybody has a tech person, although if you, a lot of people do. Yeah. So in other words, if you can't do it, you're, or if you're having difficulties, you're lucky you had a son who could help you. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I was very fortunate to have him around. But um, there was also professional development online, how to use some programs that uh, it would take time. Again, uh, uh, you would have to spend the hour, two hours, three hours, you know, on training for whatever program we were using. Um, and yet, I thought, in a sense, for me, my my goal was to become more technolog- technologically savvy. Um, so... I took on the challenge, and uh, like you said, I was very fortunate to have my son Nicholas around that year, and the older teachers did struggle somewhat, um, but uh, uh, we all managed to get a minimum level of, of, of uh, competency to um, you know, One of the teach. things that they talk about, in, and I don't know if this is true or partly true, but teachers don't want to enter, don't, people don't want to or uh, college kids don't want to become teachers uh, because uh, the pay isn't good enough. It's, you know, and so that we are not attracting good teachers or the teachers that we want to attract because it's all based on, on uh, the fact that they just aren't paid well in, in many, many schools. Well, that's very true. It's not um, in every state. Um, some states are paid decent wages. Teachers are paid decent wages. Um, the Northeast in general, they're quite good. Um, but overall, it is a concern because students in colleges do see how much more money they can make in business or nursing or engineering and decide that uh, uh, they might not want to pursue a degree in education. So, yes, it's a, it's a huge concern, the number of students who are graduating with degrees in education compared to the 70s where so many, particularly women, wanted to become teachers, and now they have more options available to them. Nor do I think it helps that the, there is a lot of criticism of, of, uh, of uh, teachers by some people um, challenging uh, parents challenging sometimes what the teachers are doing. Um, like, what are those challenges? I, what are the kinds of challenges that they are, uh, t- you know, that parents, parents are so involved, it seems to me. I, I seem think somewhat over-involved with the teachers. I mean, some uh, teachers, well, some parents aren't involved at all, but in general, um, there's this kind of, I, I think maybe, they don't. They need to kind of like decathect, to use a social work term, or to kind of let go and let the teacher have control over the classroom. Um, yes, you want to engage parents if there are issues or problems or questions. But I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think they're too involved? Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I think parents can be very supportive and help out a teacher a great deal if they do respect what the teacher is trying to do in the classroom. Uh, Every student has 
uh, a different way of learning, and the teachers have been taught about how to address all these different learning styles. Um, I'm fortunately now in a district where the parents uh, do understand that the teachers are trying their best to do everything they can to make the child learn and, and grow in the environment that, that he or she finds himself. Um, I did work in a district where the, the parents were, were more hands-on and would challenge grades and uh, assignments, and it, 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 was, it was more difficult for me to figure out exactly what I should do um, when they were overly involved and did not seem to understand that I, I was trained as a teacher and knew what I was doing. Uh, so that's, those are the districts that I would find hard to be in um, when the parents are overly involved. Uh, but parents are still key in making the child want to learn, um, encouraging him and her uh, to do his or her best. Um, and like I said earlier, I do feel the parents in my district um, are are understanding, are welcoming to the teachers and um, are there to help us. What about uh, the tough the topics? Would... What about the topics that it seems to me teachers, it would seem to me if I were a teacher, it would be so difficult, afraid of saying the wrong thing. I mean, you have so many, uh, it's, it seems, you know, you can't, uh, even th- I think about this because I, I didn't have this with my kids, but I mean, like if you, you know, hug a kid because you're comforting them that that's the, you know, you might get in trouble because that's the wrong thing to do or you say the wrong word or you bring up a topic that is, uh, you're not supposed to talk about or, I mean, it just seemed, there are just so many landmines that that are possible for teachers. Um, maybe even more so in the elementary school or, or middle school level. Yes. No, this is a, this is a concern. Uh, in the world language classroom, it's pronouns. Uh, I never use the term mademoiselle or monsieur to anyone anymore. I just use their name, um, their first name, uh, because some, some students do not want to be referred to as he or she. They are gender neutral. Uh, so I've learned that, okay, we just, and they change their names. It's no longer Vivian, it's Z. Uh, it used to bother me. I, need, I used to uh, try to say, well, I learned you as Vivian, and why are we now V? But I've just let that all go. I don't think it's important for them um, to, I want them to feel comfortable in the classroom, and if their name, if it does seem offensive for them to use a pronoun, I won't. Um, The other issue is racism. You have to be very, very careful about how you treat people because little things can be construed as being sexist or racist. So, yes, sensitivity uh, is is key to, to making everybody feel at ease in the classroom. Uh, I feel fortunate that I've been in the classroom for many years, and so I've, I've learned what to say and what not to say. Um, so it's not something new to me. But you do have to be very careful, and I think for new teachers, it would behoove them to talk to a, a veteran and just say, look, be very sensitive with certain words you use. Um, well, I understand it, in your book, you say you talk about the important things to know for first year, first year teaching. Somebody's coming into the 
uh, teaching profession for the first year? I mean, do you have, there are training programs besides having a mentor or somebody that you can talk to who has been in the business for a while, but uh, sensitivity training, for instance, or what kinds of things uh, do you do to help new teachers adjust? Yes. I mean, some schools have what was called a, 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 a program that for new teachers. In fact, the school I'm at did. I, I had already been teaching for a few years, so I did not have to go through the program. But those programs for first-year teachers, they meet once every other week or once a month, and they will go over what uh, problems the teachers are having, issues, and address each individual teacher with suggestions on way to improve. Uh, a mentor is always advisable. Uh, a union member can also help with issues that might come up in the classroom that um, could have been construed wrong for and, and not be in favor of the teacher. Uh, so the, the, the key for me in teaching is to really try to have one or two people that you can go to uh, on a weekly, daily basis even for a three-minute conversation on something that might not have gone down so well, whether it was a lesson or whether it was an interaction, and discuss maybe how to approach it better the next time. Um, so, what about the situation with um, children that you see may be disturbed? I know this comes up a lot in some of these horrific uh, uh, shootings that they have at the school shootings and often they go to the teachers or they, you know, when they're doing these investigations, like what did the teacher know? Did they have access to information that they didn't share or that they did share and nobody listened to them? Um, How does that fit into all of this? Well, there's a lot of support staff, counselors, and and other um, psychologists who work with students who might have um, anxiety depression, um, mental disorders, academic uh, uh, issues, discipline issues. So anytime there comes up, there's a problem with the student that you feel that he or she needs help, I reach out to the support staff and, and notify them that I feel this student might benefit from a short conversation based on behavior that I'm seeing in the classroom. Uh, I'm so pleased that there are those resources out there for students who might need some help um, and could benefit from a counselor uh, uh, and possibly even later a, a doctor uh, uh, helping him or her with uh, what they're dealing with. Uh, what about, let me ask you this, what about, are there things in the classroom uh, or things that teachers absolutely should not say or do that will actually get them fired? Well, in the classroom or at school, um, the big thing is negativity. I, this is more geared towards administrators or a school. I would not in particular, if your first year or two, if you feel that you are struggling, uh, I would try to remain positive and reach out. Once you, once a teacher becomes negative, whether it's in the classroom or with other colleagues, 
starts complaining, moaning, it doesn't help anybody. It makes it much harder for everybody. You want a positive working environment, and yes, it is difficult, uh, but there are some joys in teaching. There are some really great kids who want to learn, um, and the first year is exhausting. Any new job, for that matter, is very difficult. I think the first three months, six months, you're learning all the people, you're learning what to do, you're learning some software programs. So I think you've got to remain, neg- you know, put aside all those negative thoughts, even if you've had a bad day, and try to go back to the classroom the next day and say, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to look on the bright side. It might be a little bit naive to expect that will help, but I do think attitude and showing you want to be in the classroom goes a long way. Uh, Showing you enjoy the kids, getting to know the kids. Uh, What you shouldn't say are remarks about sexuality or race, Um, even body type, uh, commenting that a person is either too slim or too stout could be construed negatively. So I avoid any mention of body type um, that could could make the students feel uncomfortable. Um, so could you comment yeah, on someone's looks? Could you say something, you know, you, have, you look, <laughs> I like your dress or your shirt or your, no, that yes, kind of stuff. That is, type of yeah. thing. That type of thing goes a long way, particularly if they're wearing a T-shirt that's, you know, went to Saratoga Springs. You can say, oh, that's cool. Did you go to Saratoga Springs? That's an excellent way to, to get to know a student if they're wearing something that shows something about them uh, or earrings that look a little different or, uh, you know, shoes that show maybe they're a basketball player or something. So, yes, those type of things, if it's positive, complimenting, students really like that. Um, just avoid, try to avoid criticism uh, on their appearance or what they're wearing. Uh, obviously, with teaching, there are, uh, you know, when you grade, there's going to be problems with their writing. And you, but I always start out with the positive, you know, what, what went well with the writing, and then I say, well, you could improve on this. So, yes, you have to be sensitive even in grading uh, because they are used to praise. I think this generation is more used to praise than my generation. Um, was. I'm glad you brought so, that up because I think that's a big issue. I, uh, um, <laughs> one of my uh, grandkids, or actually all of them, was some kind of race at school, and I said, "So who won?" Oh, there were no winners. Everybody won. Everybody got a prize. Right. And I'm like, "Well, that's not. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be a competition. I mean, it's. It. I don't think that bodes well for kids. As you say, it's different for this generation, and I'm not sure where the you know, what the reason for that is, because that really doesn't prepare anyone, I don't think, for the real world. Um, so, yes, could, yeah. it's comment on that. <laughs> well, it's most about their confidence, and I agree it sometimes does, but I think it's gone too far. Yes. Um, I think you still need to, to tell them what, what is going wrong, and you've got to improve and work ethic, because I do believe the students after the pandemic found it hard to get back to work in the routine of of school. Uh, so that has been, to me, somewhat of an issue is get them to understand that we did not do as much during the pandemic while at home. And now we have to really play catch up and they're going to have to work harder. Uh, and they're going to have to show me they've learned something before they get the A or the B and do it well. Um, but they are getting there. I'm surprised it wasn't last year that this happened. 
um, and it does require administration to to emphasize academic rigor, and we're still not quite there. Um, we dropped final exams, and I thought we should have reinstated them. Um, and because students will learn, they take them seriously, and they will have to do final exams in at college. So it's a partnership um, that needs teachers need to be heard a little bit more. And I hope our schools get back to more rigorous curriculums because these are young people who are going to be running our world, and I want them to be competent um, and know what they're doing and teaching them good habits and, and actually having knowledge uh, will go a long way. To, but also I think there successful. are those kids who will do it, and then the other kids who weren't uh, required to do it, who don't do it, will really be in the background because there will be the kid who will do well because they want to do well and they not because someone necessarily tells them you know that they're great when they're not but they and so it it doesn't bode well for I think either either the the people who work hard and then uh they run the race and they actually won and nobody I'm using that kind of as a metaphor no one recognizes their hard work and what they've done that's not good either well yes yes I mean, that's very true to to praise somebody who actually did do incredibly well on a project, um, boosts their, their confidence and makes them understand it. it was worth those extra hours because you can see the big difference between work that somebody did uh, in a half an hour and those that spent three or four on a project. Um, and uh, uh, it, 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 but I've mentioned to my students, because I'm now teaching an upper-level class, that they are not prepared for the AP French test next year. Well, they're in French 4. And they're going to have to work hard to make up. And they're on board. And I was actually a little bit critical on what they had learned last year and the year before. I did not have them those years. Um, But it gets back to maybe a teacher who didn't emphasize grammar as much as she could have and... um, instead culture and so it's it's a little bit complicated on uh getting schools to be academically rigorous because some teachers will do what they want to do and not necessarily follow um follow guidelines that ensure uh sort of conformity and consistency between the levels. Um, and our, my district is working on that, so a French 2 class will be the same whether I teach it or somebody else teaches it or French 3. And um, that, that was emphasized this year in the beginning of the year, which I was glad they did. Can you comment for a couple, just a couple minutes, because we don't have a lot of time left, but because you do have, have had a lot of experience in different kinds of schools, parochial, public, and also stu- uh, schools abroad, um, how do you think that, that the United, you know, this is uh, you, your opinion, your perspective, uh, how do you think we fare in terms of the schools that you have had access to outside of the United States? How do we fare in terms of how well we are doing well, uh, I went to French school in second grade in, in Morocco, and that was academically, we learned a lot in second grade. We memorized, we studied. It was all about learning in the classroom. Um, it wasn't about sports. It wasn't about art. It wasn't about, um, you know, any clubs. Um, 
any outdoor activities. It wasn't even emphasizing social. Obviously, we had friends, but but it was it was study. So I learned how to study in second, third, and fourth grade, and uh, which helped me throughout middle school, high school, college. And when I returned to the states, I was sort of surprised. I was living in Laramie, Wyoming at the time. How the students didn't seem to care as much about learning. Um, I learned a lot. I remember my, memorizing in fifth grade all the presidents of the United States, all the state capitals, so the curriculum was good. In fact, I still think of that teacher, Mr. Smith in Laramie, Wyoming, that said, we're going to learn the capitals, but not everybody memorized them. Not everybody cared about all the presidents, and I thought, well, why not? Aren't we supposed to do this? I had, and, and at that time in Morocco, they emphasized memorization. These days in America, we don't. It's not you know, it is acceptable to have students memorize, but it's not emphasized. And well, in uh, this day so, in America, and I have to cut you short because we only have a, literally a couple minutes left. Well, we can always go online and Google everything, which <laughs> so we don't have to memorize it because you can sit there with your iPhone. But uh, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, I want to mention your book again because it's Teaching with Heart, Lessons Learned in the Classroom. It's a really important book, and it's uh, I've been talking to the author, Jennifer Nelson. Jennifer, um, so we can, you know, read the book, and, and uh, obviously there are a lot more lessons in the book that we haven't talked about. So what website or websites can we go to for more information about your book and about you? One minute. Can you Jenny say it? Writes, one minute? <laughs> JennyWrites.com is my website. Yeah. Also, the book can be ordered online either at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, or Target. It comes out tomorrow, October 31st. Um, but it's available for pre-order. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show, um, Jennifer. Well, thank you for having yeah, me. It was you great having great you. Questions. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 